1: so to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from thirty
0: dollars a month to just fifteen dollars a month. Give it a try at Mintmobile.com slash switch. Forty five dollars upfront for three months plus taxes and fees, promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than forty gigabytes per month. Slows full turns at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to my favorite work of art with me, Dr. Laura Jane Foley. Each week, I'm joined in the studio by a guest who tells me all about an artwork that means something to them. Today, my guest is the film director, painter and writer, Gillis McKinnon. Gillis was educated at Glasgow School of Art, where he studied mural painting. Following this, he became an art teacher, youth worker and cartoonist. Later, he studied at the National Film and Television School. His graduation film premiered at the 1986 Edinburgh International Film Festival, where it won the first Scottish Film Prize. Since then, Gillis has directed many successful films, including Regeneration, which starred Jonathan Price, Hideous Kinky, the adaptation of Esther Freud's novel, which starred Kate Winslet, and The Last of the Blonde Bombshells, which featured Judy Dench and Ina Holm. In 2016, Gillis directed Whiskey Galore, which premiered at the closing gala of the Edinburgh International Film Festival. He continues to paint and exhibit his work, and he has recently completed a novel. I'm delighted he's joining me today. Welcome, Gillis. So tell me, what is your favourite work of art?
1: This is a a painting by Goya. It was painted in approximately 1820. It's one of a series of his black paintings, 14 works which he painted onto the walls of his house and never particularly intended for public consumption. Uh, It's a very, very dark piece of work. Uh, It's entitled... um, it's entitled "Saturn Devouring His Son," but it seems that Goya never gave it that title. It was given later um, by somebody who assumed that it was based upon Rubens' work of by the same title in 1636. Um, but there are many kind of mysterious facets to this particular painting, which was incredibly taken from the wall and reassembled on a piece of canvas. So I don't know what was lost in the process of doing that. Mm. You're taking paint off a wall and reassembling it on canvas. And um, it's a
0: very brutal painting. I mean, it's a, a picture of a madman with, with something in his mouth. I mean, a, <laughs> a, a child, is it? I mean, if we take the, the uh, story of Saturn, we know the painting um, as Saturn devouring his son. The story of Saturn is that he was married to the fertility goddess... And he had a prophecy one day that one of his children would overthrow him and take his power. And so he devoured each of his children in turn.
1: And one got away.
0: (laughs) And did the prophecy come true? The prophecy came (laughs) true.
1: Yeah, I mean, he was married to the goddess of fertility, which means she kept churning out more and more children, you know. Um, Well, the thing is, if you look at Ruben's painting, Ruben's version of this, it seems almost, to me, I mean, it's beautifully painted, of course, it's Ruben's, but it seems almost illustrative. I mean, you get it in one bite, you know. <laughs> That's and, a
0: very... Sorry, yeah, you word could then. say.
1: And Saturn um, is, seems merciless and cold in Ruben's painting, whereas in Goya's, I mean, this is like a demented character. Now, why I find this so dynamic, and there's lots of things we can say about the painting, but why I find this so dynamic I guess is because I I myself am amazed by humanity that it can keep on destroying itself, or let's say, destroying its young, you know, um, through one constant process of war after another. Uh, It's as old as mankind. And this one, particularly of Saturn devouring his son, we were talking about this earlier and it only occurred to me later that this painting had probably unconsciously informed some things I did in Regeneration, which was a film about the First World War. Pat Barker's novel, uh, came coming from Pat Barker's novel, there's a scene in there where there's a young soldier, shell-shocked, naked in the woods, surrounding himself with little dead animals he's found, dead moles and things he found in traps. And there's something about the distress, the disturbance, the kind of insanity of that scene, which I see here in this painting. I chose the last poem in the last scene, I mean, the poem in the last scene of Regeneration, and it was a poem by Owen, I checked it off with Pat Barker first, though. I sent it to Pat and said, look, this is the poem I'd like to use at the end of the the film, and what do you think? And she kind of gave her permission, agreed. And the last line of the scene is, and Abraham slew his son and half the seed of Europe one by one. Uh, And this applies to the character in Regeneration who Jonathan Price plays, Dr. Rivers, who was there to try to, with all these shell-shocked young men, trying to regenerate them and send them back to the front, you know? Now, he had a very good argument Mm. for doing that, and that argument's there in the film, you know? It's a very valid argument, but still, that's what he was doing. Mm. He was making them well so they could go back into the place that had made them crazy, uh, or whatever had made them dumb or, or just dysfunctional completely, uh, nervous wrecks, if you like. And so I realised afterwards that 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 choice of poetry has a lot to do with this this image here. And now we have Syria. And, you know, I travelled in Yugoslavia in about 1971. It was quite a backwater. You would never have known what was going to happen in Yugoslavia. So I travelled there. If you told me what was going to happen, I would never have believed you. Mm. I travelled in Algeria in 1977. And it wasn't that long after I left, well, it was some time, but the people were, I men were going into villages and slaughtering all the villagers. So I've been in these peaceful places. Algeria was a very peaceful country when I was there in 1977. The people were lovely. So how did this happen? You know, what is this madness that seems to be inside of... The human race. So this picture of this apparently father devouring his son <laughs> means so much, you know, in a in a very disturbing way. I'm repelled by it. Mm. This it's is not
0: a gruesome. Image. It's not
1: something that I, you know, I look at with pleasure. It really disturbs me, you know.
0: And I think it's interesting as well that Goya painted this in his own house. It wasn't meant for uh, yeah. public consumption, in mm-hmm. a sense. It was it was a private. Uh, piece of creation. And I wonder too what it meant to him. I wonder if he was also thinking of the, you talk about Syria, but in his own time, I wonder if he was thinking of the various problems that were going on. And this does actually a representation of the various political struggles that were ongoing in his lifetime. Um, also, it was on the wall of his dining room, I believe. <laughs>
1: <Dining> <laughs> Just room. staggering, isn't it? Oh my God. <laughs> um, <laughs>
0: Completely staggering.
1: Well, I mean, on the first point, yes, there had been... Um, Napoleon's troops had come through Spain and all of that happened. There'd been a lot of atrocity and a lot of war in his lifetime. He'd seen that. Um, And that's for sure. But, you know, as you look at this picture more closely, there's this man with this completely wild face. I mean, demented, like he has lost his mind, you know. Um, So it's not, it's not, I don't see this as a cruel face. I see this as somebody who's completely lost his mind. Mm. He is in total pain as far as I can see. Look at his f- fists clenched around the torso of this figure. Um, he has the arm of his apparently son in his mouth and the the there is no head. That's already gone. The other arm probably gone, gone as well. Um so this is a figure of just complete madness uh, to my mind.
0: Absolutely, and also the rough brushstrokes as well on the shoulder, on his left shoulder, almost look feral. It looks you know, like there's fur almost. It's very kind of, uh, I mean, obviously what was lost in the translation of the of the image from the the wall to the canvas, but certainly it's very rough, and it, uh, there's something of the of you say of the of the wild about it, of the outside of of nature. Um, uh, about the painting, I think
1: you know. Oh, absolutely! I mean, the flesh of the figure who's being devoured and his flesh have got the same quality. Um, it's very kind of disturbing and very very human. Though, as you say, we don't really know how this looked originally on the wall and what has been lost. For example, there is this very strange thing coming out from between his legs here. Uh, we, <laughs> there is a theory that that was an erect phallus at one point. And has been painted over because it was obscene or lost in translation, as you say, when it was removed from mm. the wall. Um, and that's one theory about it—that that's some. There's a bloodlust here. Yeah, I don't see it that way. You know, I see it as just incredible disturbance, um, incredible, oh, just like a lost soul, if you like. Mm. So another another thing about it is we go that well, it's his son, but this is not a child. In the Rubens, it's a child, uh, clearly a little child that's being eaten. Um, but you know, according to the Saturn, the, his wife gives birth to these babies and he eats them. Well, this is a fully grown figure. And then another question comes in. It has also been. Um, noted that it doesn't actually look like a male figure.
0: Well, yes, there is a rather shapely bottom and legs, aren't there? I mean,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> it, it does have the look of a, of a, a female torso.
1: voluptuous kind yeah. of look there. So we don't really know what Goya had in mind here. You see, I used to be a cartoonist, that's another thing. So I can always look at things from the cartoonist's point of view. And if I look into that face, and if you isolate that face, just look at the eyes, <sighs>
0: Popping. Bulging. Popping,
1: crazy eyes there. Then you could almost say that this is a cartoon and this is black humour with a very, very sinister sense of humour. Mm. But you could almost see it that way yeah, too, definitely. you know? And it's
0: a, it was a very private sense of humour, I suppose, because it was something that was uh, in his own home. The
1: whole thing was private, yeah.
0: I'm very interested in this idea that you uh, use paintings in your work. And I wonder if we could talk a little bit more about that.
1: Mm. Okay, well, it's always been the case um, that if I'm working with a designer who is, let's say, receptive enough, you find in television that there are are, um, designers who can really get into a subject with you. There are others who are just doing a job because they're bashing one thing out after the other. But when I'm making a movie... I'm very careful about who I work with. Mm. I mean, you know, sometimes you don't actually get a choice in television. You kind of go onto a bandwagon, if you like. You know, it's, it's already on the way. Um, but I, I like to really think about who's going to influence us here, who's going to guide us as to the way the film looks, you know. Now, the obvious one, just about every filmmaker under the sun uses Hopper. Um, that's, that's you hear it all the time and you can understand why. Yeah, exactly. And I've done it, absolutely. I've been shooting in Ireland and going like, oh, look, Hopper House, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so we'll use that. <laughs> uh, an and artist, an American artist who, myself and Andy Harris, this designer I work with often when I'm making films, uh, we've used Andrew Wyeth. Uh, for example, when we did Whiskey Glore, there was quite a few things in that film which come directly from Andrew Wyeth paintings. Uh, I mean they're there because Andy and I got out all of wild stuff and looked at it again you know mm. there's, just, there's a feeling for the kind of outdoors the way people are outside you know the way their faces and, and the wide open expanses of nature look different their eyes look different there's just things you can learn about colour and um, but the images we used one was a a man sleeping in a rowing boat. And when, as soon as I saw that Wyeth, I went, right, I'm using that. Brilliant. Another one was a dog sort of like resting on a bed. Well, in fact, in the film, it's not on the bed, it's on the floor. But there's a whole scene, the dog has its own scene, just sleeping on the floor. And that's there because of Andrew Wyeth, right. of course. Okay. Um, and there were really quite a, quite a few things that were yes. informed them all the way through. Oh, yeah, there's a man sleeping on a bed with a patchwork quilt. Just a moment in the film, you know, and a little montage. That's also from Andrew Wyeth. Mm. So, it's something that that's very stimulating, you know, and and I enjoy that a lot. It's like not something that's a, it's not something that's an homage when I'm doing yeah. that. What that is, is like we're using it, we're stealing it and we're transforming it into into the film. Mm. So I don't expect anybody to see that.
0: No, but it's a lovely little brief glimpse and a, a brief moment and how nice if someone does, it does trigger something off or in, in somebody's mind. But even if it doesn't, it's nice for yourself because it's something that you have enjoyed looking at and then translated it, as you say, into your own work.
1: Yes, it enriches what you're doing. That's the thing. Uh, I don't really want anybody to to see where that came from. You know, it's, it wouldn't give me any pleasure to do that. Whereas I have an occasion just for fun because things are getting a little bit too humdrum on some television things. I have I've um, actually stolen something and put it in there just <laughs> as a joke.
0: How oh, fantastic. I
1: did it once with um, the card players by Suzanne. Yeah. Uh, Very I saw two thing. guys sitting in the pub, you know, it's was set during the First World War. Uh, and I saw, saw two guys sitting at the pub, and I thought, "This isn't a million miles away from the card player." So we brought everything in—the cards, the pipe, the hats. the hats, as well. You know, and we just did it for a joke. I mean, that was not stealing and transforming. No. That was just. That so was just having fun. Having fun, you know, and uh, I did it again on on a series called George Gently. Um, where there was a girl's at a bar and I looked at her and I went not a million miles away from Manny and uh, Manny's painting of the Folly Berger. <laughs> so we kind of set up the things in that one just for fun too. Yeah. It's a little bit like somebody out there is going to see that. <laughs> so it's only just for fun, you see. Yeah. But there is a difference.
0: Absolutely. A, a massive real... difference for what was going on in regeneration. Oh, and, totally, and yes. Then, totally. And those little quirks and little yeah. witty, witticisms, aren't they? Little witty inserts. That,
1: the thing is that once you've got all these things up on the wall You know, uh, and everybody can see them. You're informing the whole crew of something. You know, they're all tuning in to something. Now, again, in regeneration, um, I couldn't. So, I this one big scene at the beginning, which was the battlefield. Uh, Now, because all we had was about thirty extras who were all TA boys. So you could tell them to lie in the mud for four hours and they would never complain, you know. It was a very smart move, by the way. <laughs> um, we couldn't really pitch have a pitch battle there. We didn't have the budget for that. So I decided to go for the aftermath of a battle. And we worked very hard on how we were going to present this one long tracking shot. But there was something missing for me. I just couldn't figure it out. And then one day, I opened up a book of Rodin's reliefs, you know. His... Um, three-dimensional reliefs and uh, I came to this thing called the uh, um, the gates of death it was I think it's it was called and oh, the garden of, uh, no uh, I know where it was I started calling this the garden of death and it caught on everybody around the crew was calling this thing the garden of death it was quite amusing really because it, this ridiculous phrase just popped out of my yeah. my mouth, you know, but but before you know where you are, everyone's talking about the Garden of Death. It was quite funny, you know, to see the way that these things can become contagious. And what it was with Rodan was figures in relief, you know, raised maybe inches, uh, an inch from the surface, mm. um, fi- figures as if embedded in mud. That's how I saw it. And I realised then what I could do to kind of lift this scene when I would have two battles The aftermath of two battles, one of them happened five minutes ago with young men lying dead on the battleground and others crawling and trying to get back to the trench. And the other other battle would have been like maybe a year ago and that would be the one that would be buried under mud. So we brought in skulls, we brought in bodies, you know, lots of mannequins. We stamped them down into the mud. We slopped mud over them. So we began to make this giant sculpture. It really was like making a giant sculpture to shoot. So it took us four hours one morning to do that. And I was like a demented madman running about with this picture. These pictures of Rodan. But asking for more mud and slopping it onto, you know, mannequin dummies that were stamped into the ground. Um... And it was very, very exciting because it was like making a giant sculpture, Mm. then bringing in actors and shooting it.
0: (laughs) Amazing. I mean, it's wonderful uh, to hear about how art has uh, influenced your uh, directing career. Thank you so much for coming in, Gillis. Today we were talking about the artwork Saturn Devouring His Son, which was painted by Goya sometime between 1819 and 1823. Spanish painter and printmaker Francisco Goya was born in 1746 and died aged 82 in 1828. Following a severe illness in 1793 which left him deaf, Goya's work became bleak and pessimistic. The painting we discuss today was the culmination of his late period. The black paintings of 1819 to 1823 were painted directly onto the plaster walls of his house, the Quinta del Sordo, in English, the House of the Deaf Man. These paintings were not intended to be exhibited in public and it was 50 years after his death that they were taken down and transferred onto canvas. Goy did not give titles to the artwork so the titles and meanings of these black paintings were attributed by later critics and historians. Saturn Devouring His Son is on display at the Prado Museum in Madrid. If you would like to see the artwork we were discussing this week or carry on the conversation further you can find me on Twitter at Laura Jane Foley. And if you want to discuss the show please use the hashtag MyFavoriteWorkOfArt. The show was recorded at Wise Buddha in London and was edited by Jack Townley. The title music is Blue from Colours by Dimitri Scarlato. I hope you'll be able to join me next time. Goodbye. <laughs>